0: Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my fiance Carol. How are you doing today, Carol? Hey, what's up? How much has been a good week here? It's October 3rd, 1998. It is. When was the last time I messed up a date? When was the last time I struggled to remember what day it was? Well,
1: you know, once we got that calendar, you were all set. It's been years, <laughs> yeah. We got your Kathy calendar.
0: <laughs> Ack.
1: <laughs>
0: no, we have a Garfield calendar, everyone. We're not children.
1: hmm <laughs> I hate Monday, so it works.
0: And you love lasagna, which we ate today. I do. Um... You ever think about that? Like, uh, uh Mr. Arbuckle. He takes it to the vet. Mr. Arbuckle, your cat is seriously unhealthy. What what have you been feeding it? Just some cat food and an entire plate of lasagna. Right. <laughs> what? Cats are not supposed to eat that, Mr. Arbuckle. But he hates Mondays. Your cat has <laughs> gouts. Right. Uh anyway. Speaking of Sound judgment though. That's the title of this article. Sound judgment. Alright. Cheryl Crow, one of your favorites. Yes. Turns inward. On Globe Sessions, singers' lyrics get personal and she achieves a distinctive sound. Somebody call the Patent Office. Cheryl Crow, now three albums into a career more artistically accomplished than most folks would have predicted, has officially achieved what people in the publicity biz like to call a distinctive sound. Mm -hmm. Crow's voice, that just raspy, conversational contralto pushed up to the front of the mic, certainly helps the cause. But mostly, it's the arrangements that surround that voice, a sparse, sparkling, rustic sound. Maybe the kind of cosmopolitan country rock uh you know it now when you hear it. The fat guitars, the light dabs of Wurlitzer electric piano, the sharp snare drum cracks.
1: It's so weird to hear somebody trying to describe music. Yeah. It, it I don't feel like it can really be done.
0: You can't describe music, dude. Give up your life. <laughs> Music critic,
1: but she is awesome.
0: We're about to describe a movie.
1: yeah, that's different
0: um I yeah, I mean I guess i I see what you're saying, but I don't know. I think it's uh apropos. don't you think that Cheryl Crow has I know you like her mm-hmm. don't you think she has a distinctive sound? Yeah, I thought it was well described honestly okay. i I thought it was I gave it that uh that overwrought read. Like when someone's being, I don't know, pompous or whatever. Mm -hmm. I thought it was, I actually thought it was kind of spot on.
1: I mean, yeah, it was. I just was thinking that even if it was spot on, though, like if you'd never heard it, you still don't really understand it from listening to somebody describe it. Yeah,
0: you couldn't describe music to an alien.
1: Like an alien
0: comes down to earth, has never heard music before. What is music? To explain to me what it's like. Well, it's kind of, (laughs) it's a rustic sparse (laughs) sound. With fat guitars, uh, the guitars have eaten too much. <laughs> um, it's an alien It takes everything too literally, and sounds like a robot for some reason. Uh, but speaking of robots, Jeremy Piven is in a new. Who's Jeremy Piven? Jeremy Piven's in a new TV show. Remember, he was on. He was in um, PCU, which okay. we did so many years ago. Yeah, feels like a thousand years ago.
1: <laughs> Goodness!
0: <laughs> Anybody that's been listening to all our tapes probably feels the same
1: way. <laughs> Will it ever end?
0: It's like a Sisyphus, Sisyphean task listening to our <laughs> tapes, but we appreciate y'all. Uh well, that's Cheryl Crow like. We appreciate y'all, uh,
1: Jeremy. Okay, Piff- she's not a country music star. She's on.
0: she her music's a little more country esque, I, I think. Right? No. All right. Uh Jeremy <laughs> played Cupid once before. Quote: I hooked up. These two people, or I hook these two people up, but he boasts, except the real Mr. Right wasn't who Piven chose, but instead the designee's best friend, the adjustment was made, and the gal and best friend were absolutely right for each other. Now, I chose this for a couple reasons, this article. Okay. I just read that article, the the verbatim, the first sentence of that article. Does that make any sense at all? Like am I just
1: having a stroke or what? No, it made no sense. You are correct. What does that
0: mean? "Quote, I hooked these two people up." He boasts. Then the rest is not in quotes. Except the real Mr. Wright wasn't who Piven chose, but instead the designee's best friend.
1: So what? he tried to hook her up with a guy and instead she went for the best friend. It's like that movie we watched.
0: Oh. Okay, I guess I get it.
1: But it's really poorly worded and doesn't sound right. Yeah.
0: I do have Cupid's like skills, concludes the star of Cupid.
1: Three to Tango? Is that what it was called? I don't remember.
0: Maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah, that could be it. Um,
1: No. No. Uh,
0: rules of Engagement?
1: Maybe. I don't know. Mm. It seems like it's the plot of more than one movie, probably.
0: <laughs> um, it's not Less Than Zero. Uh, I don't remember. Anyway, um, this former live-in cousin on Ellen, he was on the Ellen show too, mm-hmm. seems a long shot for the mythological god of love. Best known as a winged cherub with a bow and arrow, but disregard mythology. Here's the setup. A man named Trevor Hale turns up in a Chicago mental ward and claims he's Cupid. Dr. Claire Allen, a relationship expert, takes on Trevor as a special project. What? Her new outpatient keeps insisting that he has been bounced from Mount Olympus, and the only way for him to get back is to bring together 100
1: couples. Oh, my dear Lord.
0: But not just for Hanky Panky. Each match counts only if the gods decide it's true love.
1: This is stupid. This is really stupid. Like, not a little stupid.
0: So that is the premise for his new show, Cupid, which premieres on Saturday. (laughs) Just a great sign for your show. Hey, you know that day that nobody watches TV? We're going to premiere your show
1: on that day. (laughs) Excellent. That's about what it needs. Now, Hmm.
0: last article
1: uh, of the day. And then we're going to get to it.
0: I chose this last because this holds a special place in my heart here. Uh, Wells's films rarely turned out as he intended. I think that's probably the case for pretty much every filmmaker out there. But <clears throat> one of the many ironies in Orson Welles' rocky career in the movies is how few of his film ideas made it to the screen intact, if at all. His 1958 mini-classic Touch of Evil, getting its final showings at the Detroit Film Festival today, is but one example— I don't know. You've never seen it. I don't think. No. The Touch of Evil. So Have it, you? Yes. Okay. It's Charlton Heston and, uh, or not, yeah, Charlton Heston. Charlton Heston and Orson, Orson Welles plays the bad guy, like a corrupt cop. And Charlton Heston is supposed to be Mexican, so.
1: That's a stretch. He's
0: dressed up as a
1: Mexican. Uh, and How do you dress up as a Mexican? They tan his face and he has a little mustache. So he's got blackface on.
0: Brown, but yeah,
1: I guess that's awful.
0: Um, and uh, Janet Lee's in it. Uh, but anyway, so it it begins with a a very famous like three minute long crane shot where the camera's on a crane and it starts and kind of pans out, goes through the whole city, goes through like a whole uh, cityscape. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's probably his best movie. Okay. Citizen Kane is. Citizen Kane's uh, probably, it, it, it was like the innovations that Citizen Kane made were huge, mm-hmm. um, and that that gives it a lot of points. I think the story in Citizen Kane's probably better, like the actual story, but I think on a technical level, as far as his, his powers as a director, like the cinematography, the camera movement, uh, the frame composition, stuff like that. I think this was when he was at the top okay. of his game. Uh, this was, after all, the same Orson Welles who, at the age of 25 in 1941, was given complete creative control over his first feature film, Citizen Kane. It was also the same Orson Welles who, later in life, sold his acting talents to the highest bidder, as in Paul Mason wine commercials. Yeah, I remember the oh, the French. So he could cobble together his own independent projects. The last decade has witnessed the release and re-release of several Wells films, um, but so I kind of want to talk a little bit about why Wells was screwed over in Hollywood. Okay, go so, for it. The first movie he made, as they said, he was a huge radio star and uh, Broadway. He had done a lot. He had done a ton of staged a ton of productions. That were very popular, and so they gave RKO gave him complete control over this film. It had never they'd never given this control kind of control before, and never would again. <laughs> uh, he directed the movie, starred in the movie, wrote the movie, produced the movie. Oh wow! Now he co-wrote the movie with um, uh, Herman Mankiewicz, um, but they, uh, you know, he did he did have a hand in writing it, and. He based, The subject of Citizen Kane is essentially the newspaper tycoon uh, William uh, William Randolph Hearst. And there were things in the movie that directly related to Hearst's life. Supposedly, they met at a party and Hearst was rude to him. And he didn't like the way he treated Marion... I uh, can't remember her name, but the, his... I think her name was Marion, his second wife. Okay. Uh, and so, out of spite, he wrote this film. Wow. As like a, like a, hey, this is the fucking guy. You think this is who your guy is? Here's what he's really
1: like. So this is a revenge movie. <laughs>
0: kind of. Um, and Hearst, uh, Hearst almost got the film destroyed. Like, he went to RKO and said, hey, I'm going to destroy your, your uh, well, essentially what he said is, you know how people don't like Jews? I'm going to remind everybody in my newspapers who runs Hollywood, and we'll see how many people want to go see your fucking movies and everything. He was pissed. Um, so they thought about it. They thought about completely shelving the film, destroying it, burning it. Wow. And... uh. Joseph Cotton, who was a co-star in the movie, one of Wells' good friends from the New York days and and Orson Welles went to meet with the board at RKO and Joseph Cotton, who was, to, was there, said uh, the world didn't get to see Orson Welles' greatest performance, but he essentially went up there and gave this soliloquy about how uh, there, you know, war was raging in Europe and one of the the things that they were fighting over, one of the the Nazi regime was censorious. They were, you know, for censorship. They were for uh, shutting down. They were anti-freedom, okay. essentially.
1: well, yeah. And obviously. he said,
0: you know, soon, you know, we'll be pulled into this war, too. And where do you want to stand? Do you want to stand on the side of the Nazis, essentially, and shut my movie down? Or do you want to stand, freedom, and... An Eagle and American Pie and wow, released my movie, and they did they did release the film.
1: Wow, what a manipulative bastard, wow. <laughs> but after that movie,
0: and that movie's widely considered as the greatest movie ever made okay uh after that movie was released, and all the the terrible press and Hearst was pissed off and everything, Wells struggled to get other movies made. He got some movies made, he never kind of got the control he wanted. He, his movies got changed, edited. He didn't have control over a lot of the final edits and things like that. Um, So that's like death for a director, not being able to control your film like that. Well, yeah. Um, And then, you know, years later, like in the 70s, like they were talking about, he started doing uh, Vandy Camp, like fish stick commercials (laughs) and and wine commercials and stuff so that he could get money together to, to put together independently. Finance his own movies. Okay. So, what could have been uh, a brilliant film career was, I think, cut short. Now, he made probably four or five fantastic films, but he could have had a career like Hitchcock or Steven Spielberg
1: now, or, or, you know. So, he committed uh, career suicide.
0: Essentially, yeah. I don't think he realized he was doing that at 25 years old in 1941, but yeah. He made an enemy of the wrong person. Um, Wow. I think evil kind of won, to be honest (laughs) with you.
1: Kind of sounds like Kevin Smith, though, you know, financing his own stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, that's kind of cool.
0: Yeah. But speaking of evil winning. Oh, God. (laughs) We saw a movie. We did. Strange Land.
1: And what a movie it was.
0: I should have known. So I should have known this was going to be bad two ways. Locally here we have the Star Theaters, which are like the the nice. They they get all the biggest films. That's like you know we saw Titanic at the Star Theater and everything. And then there's AMC, and I'm not saying AMC is bad. I'm not saying they're a bad theater. They get they get a lot of the first run movies too. But the stuff that the Star is like, nah, we're not fucking showing that. Goes to AMC, and guess where we saw this <laughs> at an AMC theater. And the other thing is, I couldn't find any critical reviews of the movie. Sometimes I'll look at, at critical reviews and see if I agree, disagree, usually it, after we watch the movie, because I want to form my opinion first. Right. But I couldn't find any critical reviews. Why? Because the studio didn't release the movie for critics. Oh, wow. <laughs> they really, they you know Critics had to see it when everyone else got to see it. There were no advanced screenings for it. That is almost universally a terrible sign because they don't want the bad critical reviews to get out before the opening weekend.
1: So if they know it's a piece of shit, why make it or release it or any of it? Like- There's... So
0: certain amount certain amounts of movies need to lose money in order for them to balance their books and pay less in taxes and stuff. There's a lot of like gross Hollywood accounting reasons for it. Um, and then a lot of times they don't realize it's bad until it's done mm. till it's been till they've spent all the money till it's been filmed and then it's like they go through and start editing it and they're like oh, we can't we can't put anything
1: together that looks any good they
0: screen it and the screening audiences are like
1: oh, no. i don't know i got to say though um i don't think it's a piece of shit really i mean i don't love it but i don't think it's terrible
0: okay i did and this will be fun to talk about. Um, so, Strangeland. D. Snyder's Strange Land, because he wrote the movie. Mm-hmm. Apparently, based on, uh, well, not apparently, based on a Twisted Sister song, because uh, obviously D. Snyder, lead singer of uh, Twisted Sister, you know, we're not gonna take it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Horror Teria. We listened to it. Would you think of? Horror well, The song was
1: awful. The song was really, really bad.
0: So, first of all, imagine writing this part for
1: yourself. <laughs> it's a little weird in a movie because
0: he stars. Well, I guess stars is a is a, is a big term. But I don't know. I think he stars. He's the villain of the
1: piece. I mean, I guess the cop is the star. He's the protagonist, and yeah. and the snare is the antagonist. Yeah,
0: but he's the villain of the of the piece. Uh, What's his name? Captain Howdy. Yeah. Like in The Exorcist. That, that's what the demon calls itself. Or oh, okay. Whatever. I'm Captain Howdy or whatever. Um, I assume that has to be a reference to that.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't remember that, so thank you.
0: Too bad Linda Cardellini didn't uh, watch The Exorcist. <laughs> or she might have been like, oh, he's named himself after a demon. Yeah. And he likes snowboarding. <laughs> <clears throat> but anyway, so, I can't imagine. Like I said, I can't imagine. Uh, writing this part for yourself. The movie is about, uh, what did they call it? Modern primitives. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar at all with the modern? I primitive? was
1: not f- familiar with it until we saw this movie. No.
0: So they kind of explained it a little bit in the film. It, I do find it funny that all the char- all the straight characters, mm-hmm. all the, the boring, like, you know, we live in a society characters. The
1: normal people?
0: Yeah. Are... Like, they're, none of them are interesting. We don't really get to learn much about them. There aren't really any scenes highlighting them as people. We don't get a lot of characterization for them. All the freaks, (laughs) sorry, D. Snyder, all the the freak characters, like the tow truck driver, (laughs) who gets his own little fucking mini backstory in in this movie, uh, are are interesting. Those are the interesting characters in the movie. We don't, like, the victims, I'll I'll get to it in a minute. (laughs) Like, the victims, we don't, we don't really, I don't feel anything for the victims. I don't, I don't feel much for Linda Cardellini. I do. The young actress that plays the, the main victim in the movie. And I don't feel much for the guy that gets his penis pierced or any of the other nameless, faceless, naked bodies chained up in the in the dungeon. <clears throat> I, I feel something for them in a very surface, like, oh, that sucks, that, that'd be shitty if like that happened to somebody or whatever. But I don't feel it deep down because we don't know them. We don't get to know them. And the movie never, sh- like, we get flashes of them. Like there being like oh you know, this sucks or whatever um, in the in the torture chamber, but like there's never any scene of like she's alone, he's gone, he's on the computer or whatever clacking. She tries to escape. She's you know like she's struggling? She's crying. She's calling out for a parent. We don't get any of that.
1: We do get a little bit. I mean <clears throat> not not that she's alone, but I mean like like the catheter. <laughs> When like she sees the guy getting his penis, you know, and uh-huh. you see the the pee coming out of the catheter, it's like like she's so scared or whatever. Although I don't know if that would really is that's really accurate that you pee from fear and it would come out the catheter. Doesn't the pee just come out the catheter no matter what?
0: I don't know. <laughs> I haven't fucking chained somebody up and <laughs> stuck a catheter into their urethra. I don't know what you're talking about. What? Like, what do you like? I think the whole point was that she was afraid, and so she peed.
1: Right. I'm just wondering if that was accurate, that that would actually happen. I literally spent minutes pondering whether or not that would... Whether what would happen? If somebody has a catheter in, I think the urine just comes out. I don't think that you physically pass urine. So I don't think that fear would make urine come out the catheter. I think that was a mistake.
0: Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I guess not. I don't know. I've never had a catheter. I mean, knock
1: on wood. You've I, never had a catheter? I've you never, are so
0: lucky. I've never had a catheter. Put oh, on,
1: so. it's awful. And yeah, you don't take any part in the peeing. It just comes out.
0: Okay, well, then, then you, there's your answer.
1: But I mean, like, I'm wondering if, if fear could make it come out more or no, at that time. Or, no, I don't think so. Yeah. I think you're right. So
0: The whole point of the fear is, like, you lose control of your your bladder, essentially.
1: Yeah, you already don't have control over it when you yeah. have a catheter. So yes, yeah. so
0: I, I agree. I think that's a mistake. But what I'm saying is, like, that's that's so small. Yeah. We don't get uh, and the we, nightmares. Okay, there's one nightmare, and she wakes up, and she's afraid, and that's sad. But then she's immediately kidnapped again. We don't spend any time with yeah. this character.
1: Yeah. Okay. I I'll she give you that. could
0: be anyone. I don't know anything about her character like if 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 we were doing like describe this character and like describe this character without just like saying what she looks like or um you know who she's related to or who her friends are you, you know like dis- like describe her actual personality
1: it's like impossible well yeah, she's not a well developed character but okay in, in kiss the girls uh-huh. The the victims, the kidnapped victims aren't well-developed either.
0: But the point of that isn't... Like, so... Well, they're more well-developed than these characters are, for one. I don't even know all the characters that are down there. He gets down there and there's these people chained to walls. And I'm like, who the fuck are these people?
1: <laughs> yeah, you'd think there'd be a bigger, like, issue of people going missing if, you know, somebody locally had taken, like, what, mm-hmm. 10 people? <laughs> yeah, no shit. Uh,
0: but anyway, so... In, in like, in a movie like Kiss the Girls, the focus is very much on the detective,
1: who's interesting. Yeah, and the this detective was bad, I will give you that.
0: And it's like, he doesn't, he doesn't do anything clever.
1: Well, and here's the thing, okay, it's his daughter that's taken. Yeah. And this is where I feel like the acting really fell short in the film, is that neither the cop father or his wife... Mm-hmm. Really seem emotionally invested enough or upset enough? Exactly.
0: She's just like, "Tell me what's going on." Oh, I know you can't tell me, you can't tell me you know, things you know related to the case or whatever, because you're because you're the dad, but you're also the detective assigned to this case because reasons. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? How is this allowed at all? Yeah. Um. And you you speculated uh, when we were talking about it later, like, oh, maybe it's a really small town. They had no no uh, whatever recourse, but I pointed out to you that twice we are shown the sign of the town and twice it says the population is 350,000 people.
1: Yeah, I'm sure there's another detective.
0: So there's no way he's the only detective at work. Like, it's ridiculous. Now, have a scene with him being like, I want to work this case and the captain or whatever rightly being like, no. Right. Of course you can't work the case. And then show him trying to, like, weasel his way in and talk to the detectives that are working the case and, like, try to figure stuff out. And then maybe he could be putting the puzzle pieces together.
1: Right. Like, And what he actually does for, for figuring it out could have been done in his off time. It wasn't, like, official police business. He gets his niece to come over yeah. and help him figure out the computer, and then he talks to the guy. Like, yeah. And and I mean, from there he figures shit out. So,
0: well, from the he doesn't do anything to figure it out. He goes there. The, he gets he gets the wrong address from the guy. The, so they they set it up like, okay. First of all, we got to back up for a second, dude, dude. <laughs> um, Linda Cardellini and her friend are talking to some dude in a, a chat Teen room, chat room, like an AOL chat room
1: or whatever. But yeah, not AOL, but yeah.
0: Uh yeah, AOL didn't want to put its fucking name on this shit.
1: Well, I I got the the feeling that this is a local one, like kinda like what I used to do with like the gateway bulletin board system. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, like I feel like it was something like that where people know each other or at least have something in common.
0: So her and her friend are on the internet just kind of talking to people and stuff like that.
1: And this Captain Howdy's
0: like, Hey, you know, you're cool or whatever you want to come over to A party, or like, or my 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 parents are out of town. Parents are out of town, and she's like, "Can I bring your my friend?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, bring your friend. You know, fuck you both, or whatever." (laughs) He doesn't say that, but it's like that's the implication, or whatever. And so, like a lot of teens, they're like, "Cool, we'll go meet somebody new at a fucking secluded location." See, that's
1: so stupid. Like, my friend met a dude online. My friends have met
0: dude. Well, met girls online.
1: And I mean, honestly, one of my best friends I met online, Mm -hmm. but like you don't meet a stranger at their house. Like I, you meet them in a public place or like with my friend, I knew people who knew her. Right. So it was okay.
0: We went to the mall. Yeah. uh, The, the one time I'm thinking of my friend and I were like, well, let's meet up at the mall.
1: Yeah. Or we went bowling one time. Although. Okay. One time I did go on a date with a guy and he came to my house. I mean, I, I you know to get me
0: harder to kill you. yeah to get you. <laughs> anyway, so um, that must have been like right before we we got together. Yeah, Uh very early days of the internet. Everyone. Yes. Um, but anyway, so uh, they're talking to this dude, and they, they're like, "Well, we'll go over there." So they go over, and we don't even see them get abducted, really? No,
1: we don't. Oh, no, we definitely, there's no really, we don't. They go to the party, and then, boom, it's just, oh, she didn't come home.
0: Yeah. And that makes it a lot less dramatic.
1: Yeah, th- I, I feel like that was missing. Like, it would have helped to see them get kidnapped. And later, when the dad goes to the wrong house, like, yeah. I feel like...
0: We would have known.
1: That's what he does all the time, maybe, though maybe he always sends them to the wrong house and then he abducts them from that house or from that porch or whatever if they are truly the young girls he thinks they are. Maybe,
0: maybe. But the, this is the... So, like I was saying, the detective doesn't do anything smart. The killer or whatever, torturist, does something stupid. Mm-hmm. He's like... he. I think he kind of figures out that they're cops. And he's like, well, come to this address. And so they come to the address. You might be right, though. He might... Send everyone there just to make sure that they're not cops, I guess. Um, <clears throat> but they come there, and it's it's the wrong house.
1: They walk in on an old couple fucking.
0: But it's the house, like, next door to his fucking house. Yeah. That's dumb.
1: Yeah. But that's, that's why I think he didn't figure it out, because he would have sent them further away. I think this is just what he does. Yeah. And then for no reason, instead of chatting
0: with the chat feature, like typing stuff out, he sends him
1: audio. Yeah, that was a weird choice, too. I don't even know how to do that.
0: I mean, I guess there are ways to do it through chatting and stuff like that, sending audio. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. But. I mean, obviously there are, because they did it in the movie. But. Yeah, but, well, I mean, that could be, who knows? Like, like, <laughs> well, it's not like 20 years in the future or something. No, what I'm saying
0: is that could that could just be special effects like that doesn't mean they actually did it. But anyway, so he sends him audio and on the audio. There's a dog barking and it's the dog barking at the house next door. And it's in real time,
1: practically, because it's like they're chatting, and then he sends him audio that he recorded right then. Yeah,
0: it's not like he goes home, and he's trying to, like, fucking figure it out or whatever, and he's, like, uh, has to remember that there was a dog barking or anything. The dog's barking. Dog's barking on the recording. Mm-hmm. And, like, he has to listen to it, like, five or six times. <laughs> yeah. And the whole time, we're in the theater, like, we get it. It's that dog.
1: But, and then when he goes up to the right house... The windows are painted black. How did they not notice that?
0: How did no one say anything in the neighborhood? Right. Because this isn't like a secluded location. It's just in a neighborhood. Yeah, residential neighborhood. It makes no sense. But he he kidnaps people not to kill them, but to turn them into modern primitives, I guess. Like, I'm not sure exactly what his motivation is, which is another thing that doesn't make a lot of sense about this either, is the villain doesn't have a very clear motivation.
1: Well, I mean, he seems like he thinks that he's helping them or he's trying to bring them some kind of spiritual enlightenment or something. So modern
0: primitivism is essentially people in the modern times using uh, body modification rituals, Mm -hmm. whether it's uh, tattoos or it's extreme piercings. Things that people did thousands of years ago or whatever. And D. Snyder, one of the things that he's saying as the villain, Captain Woody or whatever, is he's saying, or Pazuzu, whatever he wants to be called. Uh, Pazuzu? Pazuzu's the demon in... Uh, Ghostbusters. Action- no. No. <laughs> That's Gozer. <laughs> uh, the, or Zool or whatever. The um, the demon in Exorcist's n- real name is Pazuzu. Ah. Uh. Instead of Captain uh, Howdy. But anyway, so he... um, I I lost my train of thought. Sorry. (laughs) So he kidnaps people and wants to turn them into this... What
1: the fuck was I talking about? Modern primitives. Oh, yeah, that's right. So motivation.
0: These extreme forms of body modification and everything. um, And... He's like, one of the, he's, there's a lot of soliloquies mm-hmm. from him in this, in this movie. And a lot of it comes from, whatever, uh, Fekar uh, Musafer, or what, something like that. Uh, one of the father, fathers of modern primitivism. Okay. Um, but he's like, uh, when the, when we first hear about it, when the detective first hear, hears about it, from the tow the truck, truck guy, driver, yeah. who's got all these gauges and everything, they find, so they find the the car, if I find his daughter's car crashed and the, in the lake, yeah. And her friend is dead in the trunk. And there's this giant like gauge, uh, septum piercing, which by the way, was that his, she didn't have her septum pierced. Did he just like toss that in the <laughs> trunk?
1: Like, yeah, it can't like fall out. It's not an earring. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that
0: was, that was weird that it that was even there. But anyway, so the t- Tro truck guys like, Oh, yeah, it's modern primitivism. Oh, you guys think it's fucking weird or whatever? Uh, they've done, been doing it for thousands of years. Winston Churchill's grandma had a tattoo on her wrist or fucking whatever. Um, and he's, like, going through all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, they you know th- like they did slavery, too, thousands of years ago. That doesn't mean, like, oh, that's cool. Bring it back. <laughs> like, you know, they did a lot of shit. They fucking right. did cannibalism. And, and uh, you know, cavemen fucking beat each other to death for land and shit. But you know, don't bring that back.
1: A lot of people have tattoos and piercings Mm -hmm. and things that probably know nothing about this movement. Like me, like I have two tattoos. I had gotten my tongue pierced. I have four different piercings of my ears at one point. So I was never like, "Hey, modern primitivism." Well, it's
0: different. Just getting a tattoo or just getting uh, like your ears pierced is different. There's a whole like tongue. Okay, sure. I mean that could be part of it, but like there, they do it ritualistically, and there's Mm -hmm. like spirituality involved in it and stuff like that. It's it's a whole thing to itself, and I'm not saying like I I know like I sound like a fucking square, and maybe I'm (laughs) just too maybe in
1: the 1950s. Maybe I'm
0: just too much of an L seven weenie for (laughs) this uh, for this movie, I guess or whatever. But it's like. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with getting tattoos. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with getting piercings. Even if you have spirituality tied into it or whatever, I'm not saying any of that's wrong. But they treat it like, oh, well, of course we're fucking right. Like, don't even question it. Because they did it thousands of years ago. And it's like, that's bad reasoning. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So that's, I guess, his motivation is to sew their mouths and eyes shut to give them enlightenment?
1: It's disgusting. He doesn't sew all their eyes shut. He sews Robert England's eyes shut. But... And there was, like, I think another lady that he the did. The black
0: girl's eyes were shut.
1: Were they? But he didn't... I thought
0: Linda Cardellini's were too. No. no. Okay.
1: No, just she her saw her dad.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just her mouth, I guess.
1: Yeah, and, like, the guy who was getting his dick pierced also could see. <laughs>
0: He could see all too well,
1: right?
0: <laughs> but the structure. So the the my one of my main issues with this movie is the structure of this movie. Okay, The structure. of This movie is a mess. Sure. So here's the plot: He kidnaps the girls. One of them dies because she has a genetic heart condition. He doesn't want to kill anyone. I guess. Whatever. He just I don't wants to fucking torture him. I don't know.
1: I gotta say one thing really quick before you go through this. Just in regards to this, he said at one point that he's full of hate yeah and it seemed like that was his justification for everything that he'd been doing so it's like on one hand he's like oh i'm trying to enlighten people but on the other hand he's like i feel nothing but hate so he doesn't want to kill anybody but he's hurting everybody and he i don't know
0: yeah it's dumb
1: yeah okay go ahead
0: so he kidnaps the girls one of them dies uh police investigation like you said apparently no one none of these other people had dads that fucking cared about him (laughs) <laughs> uh, only Linda Carlini. Uh, he finds her, takes down Dee Snyder, and he gets arrested. He gets found not guilty by reason of insanity. We don't see any of this, just newspaper flashes of this happening.
1: Yeah. He
0: gets released, apparently cured. Yeah. Supposedly he's been rehabilitated. And it's only been like two or three years. Five years. years. What oh, they said five, five years. years,
1: yeah, she was like sixteen, maybe, and now she's like an adult. She's like a young adult, Linda Cardellini. Uh, what are you basing
0: five years on?
1: What they said in the movie when they, or maybe it was four years. I don't know. Okay, but they said so many years later. It wasn't just like two. It was I think it was years. three.
0: But anyway, we'll 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 go with five or four, whatever. It's a number of years later. It's not that long for him to be in a mental hospital and then be like, oh, he's cured. Right. He only needed like six months worth of therapy and I guess he would have been fine. Probably should have gone to therapy before. Um but anyway, so they release him dressed in a cardigan to the exact same house where he tortured and killed people.
1: Yeah, that's that's not believable.
0: By the way, like that house didn't get repossessed or sold. Like he got found not guilty by reason of insanity. There were no civil suits. Like the the girl who died, they they're parents bring a wrongful death suit oj simpson loses his fucking heisman trophy or whatever right but this guy just keeps his house like i don't
1: like i don't get that yeah that didn't make a lot of sense
0: and then you just release him to the same town uh and the same place or whatever where he committed these atrocities seems like really good therapy
1: right yeah i mean despite what what ends up happening i mean just like what it would do to his psyche if we are supposed to believe he was in any way cured Seeing all that again would be bad.
0: So he's he's cured or whatever. He takes anti-psychotic uh, pills or whatever. He's got a big bottle of pills. Um, Robert England steps into the movie to become the movie's plot lord for like <laughs> twenty minutes uh, or less than that, like ten minutes, um, and decides, uh, "Fuck this guy! I'm gonna kidnap him."
1: Um, well, he decides that his stepdaughter or daughter—I really wasn't sure. I think stepdaughter. I uh, yeah, I,
0: I guess stepdaughter
1: because he says your daughter and stuff to yeah, his wife. Yeah. Um, he just assumes because she's late coming home that this guy has taken her, mm-hmm. and then he rounds up the vigilantes.
0: Yeah. So he, yeah, he takes them. They take him and they try to hang him, uh, but they but they don't kill him,
1: and the cop. The detective sees this. Uh He's sitting in his car outside the guy's house. Was he assigned there? Was that part of his job? I don't. And if so, assign a better cop for the situation. Come on, people. So he just watches them take him, and Captain Howdy, whatever, sees him watch Mm. and not do anything.
0: Yeah. Um, and so then they they hang him, but they don't kill him. He miraculously lives, like Jason Voorhees, even (laughs) though they think he's
1: dead. Um, the tree branch broke.
0: You know how long he was hanging there for? You don't think he would have died of asphyxiation? It
1: takes a long time sometimes.
0: I guess. Anyway, so he dies, but he doesn't die. Uh, they've all left. Because so it rains a little. They ran over his crazy pills. Yeah, the fucking angry mob got rained out. <laughs> um, They ran over his crazy pills, so I guess he's crazy now again. Uh, And then he just kidnaps Linda Cardellini and kidnaps Robert fucking England. Uh, And, you know, does the torture. A bunch
1: of other people do, though.
0: Just does the torture shit to them. So what I hate about the structure of this movie is why have him be caught at all? This like, why did we waste time on this? Like, he's caught. Then he gets out. And then like less than 10 minutes later, he's a killer again. And then the movie's over. Then the detective decides to track him down and burn him alive in uh, the club. Which, by the way, <clears throat> the name of the club's like <clears throat> like uh, some with an X. I can't remember what it is. Excuse me, like uh, Exilia or something like that. And the guy's like, "Oh, it's uh, Mayan for hell." And it's like, "No, it's not," because <laughs> the Mayans didn't have the. Like, didn't have hell. Right. That wasn't part of their religion. The okay. concept of hell didn't uh, originate until the Christians, essentially. Um, so it meant like a place of fear, really, is what it means. But it's not hell.
1: Well, you did your homework.
0: I did. Um, I went to the library, looked up the Mayan language and encyclopedia.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: Um, anyway, so he takes. he fi- finds him there. Uh, he's like, oh, don't no, you shouldn't use that gun. We should, uh, let's solve this with fists. And he's like, sure, okay.
1: Yeah, that was stupid, too. And then
0: uh, he gets the better of him and then kills him and everything. The whole time he's like, I want to die anyway. Like, I, I don't, I like, this guy wasn't creepy or scary to me. Like, so I heard somebody coming out of the theater, Somebody was like, oh, man, what a creepy villain, what a scary villain. And I was like, no, what a non-interesting villain. To me.
1: Like, Why?
0: Because he had no motivation. He had like, I didn't know or care what he wanted. He was contradictory. Like you said, like it didn't. Hannibal Lecter's an interesting villain. Yeah. Hannibal Lecter ha- has depth as a character. This dude had no depth. And I think this wanted to be kind of like a Silence of the Lambs mixed with uh Nightmare on Elm Street, I guess. It gave me Nightmare on Elm Street vibes.
1: Okay. I don't know. I guess, yeah. I guess the movie is fairly superficial throughout. It's
0: it, there. It's all surface. There is no substance to this movie at all, and that's one of the things that I hate about it. And it's like, what's the thesis of the movie? Like, it, it seemed very important for D. Snyder writing this movie that guy's a monster, guy gets out, vigilante mob gets him, and he becomes a monster again. Because that's the structure, even though the structure is dumb and doesn't make any. The pacing's part of, part of the problem. Well, the structure is the big part of the problem because we get a lot of build up with him being a monster, very very little of him rehabilitated, and then like the last twenty minutes of the film is a monster again. Uh, and it's there's not enough times given to any of these ideas. But is the thesis of the movie that Robert England, who talks about his stepdaughter getting fucked and watches weird porn that looks like it's, like, pedophile... Like, not pedophile, but, like...
1: it It's looks pretend like, pedophilia. It looks
0: like underage porn looks like they're being forced to do it. Like, I mean, it looked almost like a fucking snuff film or something like that. The guy that talks about his stepdaughter getting fucked and watching this porn is as bad as Captain Howdy. I, sure, I agree. <laughs> but, like... I believe you, but that's not an interesting premise.
1: I didn't really think that was the point. I didn't really that didn't even cross my mind as being a point. The,
0: the vigilante justice, I think, is supposed to be something in here. Like, oh, you think you guys are so normal? You're a lot of you are just as fucked up or whatever as the people that look like me. That's I think part of the point. And it's like, I guess in this very specific instance, but you didn't... You didn't take... This is not like a Batman. You know what I mean? It's not like a Batman movie where, or a Batman comic or whatever where Batman refuses to kill because his parents were the victims of violence and killed. And it's wrong and he wants to be better than that. He wants to serve up justice without being corrupted. And that's why the Joker is like his greatest villain because the Joker... It keeps pushing his boundaries and like forcing him into moral situations where he has to like you know choose between two of his morals or whatever. And like it's you know it's interesting and everything. That's not what this is. This is just some fucking weird ass dude being like, uh, I don't like that guy that got out. I don't believe is in his cardigan sweater. Let's kill him. <laughs> um, that I can believe. Like, and they've cast Robert England. Who were already predisposed to thinking as of as of a villain? Yeah. I mean, that's the whole reason he was cast in *Urban Legend*. I have to imagine the the movie we just watched because you're predisposed to think maybe that guy's the killer.
1: Yeah, I guess that's true. So,
0: like, it doesn't. If you took someone, if you t- if you really built up the te- detective as a very moral, by the book guy, and then he sees the justice system fail him, and his daughter is in pain and you know has PTSD and it's like this guy's out and she's having these nightmares and she's tortured and he wants us to end and he compromises his uh his morality and leads the mob to kill him and then it doesn't work and that choice leads to his daughter being kidnapped and victimized once again then you have something you have at least some ideas but that's not what happened in this movie. Yeah. Instead, we get to know no one. <laughs> and the whole movie is a excuse for a bunch of things to happen. Flickering images on a screen. That's all this was.
1: You know, I didn't think he was a rapist until the end of the movie when he said that he raped his daughter. Yes! Like, he Th- didn't... That- How's, what's enlightening about that? Right. I guess that's how she felt when I was inside her. Like, what the fuck? Like that yeah, that's he not was... a cool line. And you wrote that for yourself. Yeah. You know,
0: I just I don't understand.
1: Yeah, like it's not a great movie. It it was interesting to me a little bit just seeing like I don't know, the whole like uh, I'm trying to think about how I want to say it, but the thing with the cop and him, you know, letting the mob get him and everything, mm. and the consequences coming back on him. Like, I don't know. I found it interesting. I realize you're right. It could have been done a lot better. Yeah, but it was still fine to me. The movie was yeah. fine.
0: <laughs> I, I was frustrated most of the time because I think it's an interesting idea, but I don't think any of the ideas were fleshed out enough.
1: I have a question about D. Snyder. Sure. Does he have He's a tattoo not. on his face and normally or was that no. just for the movie? Just for the movie. Okay. Well that explains how they were able to remove it when he left jail and was supposed to be good again? Because it wasn't a tattoo. Oh. It was painted on. But they did fucking remove it. And I'm uh, like, I wanna understand that. Was that makeup? Did he have it removed and then put back on? That was a huge tattoo. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That was weird. Like I get you can take out piercings. You can't just get rid of a face tattoo.
0: I saw it. Well most of the most of the stuff that he was wearing uh, was prosthetic. Uh, he does have his septum pierced, but it's smaller uh, than it's a regular gauge, not a huge gauge mm-hmm. like that. Um, and a lot of the like the piercings and stuff down the down his chest and everything are all synthetic. They they're just makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the tattoos are just makeup. Um, I don't know if he has any tattoos. To be honest with you, I know he has piercings. I don't know if he has any tattoos. I believe he's Jewish, and I oh. do, and he might want to get buried in a Jewish cemetery. I don't know. Okay. um but i don't know if he has any he might i'm not sure uh but i i've read in an interview in variety from d snyder him saying uh something like the hardest day to film was the day that he like turned good again because uh it like it was so uncomfortable wearing that cardigan sweater that's hmm. like very funny joke d snyder because of the, all the rest of the makeup that you have to put on, you know. It's like, mm. I assume he said it like sincerely, but I, I have to assume that it's a very sarcastic joke. Yeah. Um, but yeah, piece of shit. I wouldn't see it. Don't trudge your way to a garbage AMC theater. Ah. Again, no offense, AMC theater. Wow. But uh, yeah, don't go down and see it. Um,
1: I guess we should just stick to Star from now on. Skip it.
0: No, there's, there's, I mean, there's some good stuff, Boogie Nights, and so there's some good stuff that the AMC shows, but... Okay. uh Yeah, don't watch it. It's not good.
1: But it's not as bad as you say.
0: Okay. <laughs> I don't recommend it. I don't even rec- recommend renting it.
1: Yeah. I guess I wouldn't recommend it either. It's just fine.
0: But that is the episode, Carol, another just fine episode for us. <laughs> Tell the people where they can uh, talk to our version of Captain Howdy.
1: You can write us at LateFee1994 at com. But we will not abduct you. Check out our website at www.RetroLateFee.com. I'm not sure into that. And share the tapes with your friends. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.